Hey, thank you so much, praise team. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I've missed it. I've missed it. Uh, I want to welcome you guys all to church. I'm so glad to have you guys. Are you guys happy to be here? Okay. Oh, that was pretty good. Usually when I do that, the first one is really lame, but today was excellent. So glad to have every single one of you guys here with us today. Uh, If you're watching online, I want to welcome you. I'm so honored that you would spend this time with us. And as Ed had mentioned, we have some special guests from a far off land called Arizona. Um, And uh, we want to welcome Redemption Fellowship um, in Arizona, if you're watching there. So glad that you're with us, as well as our friends over in Anchorage, Alaska, Korean Seventh-day Adventist Church, who have been joining us for our service as well. Um, And it's, if you guys didn't know, um, you're joining us for the first time, I've been away uh, for the past four or five weeks, and uh, I've been on paternity leave. And uh, I'm really happy to be here for a lot of different reasons. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited to be at church again and, and worship with you. I've missed you guys. I've missed the praise. I've missed the community just seeing your faces or your masked up faces. That's still good. Um, so it's, it's exciting for me to be here. I'm, I'm so happy. Um, but like, paternity leave was weird, guys. It was weird because I haven't ever had a time like that in my life. Or at least since like, at least I entered adulthood. You know, a time where... Um, I didn't go to physically go to church for like five weeks. Like that hasn't happened for a really, no, that's never really happened in my life. And so it was a a really strange time. But uh, I knew it was time to come back. And um, do you guys know why, how I knew it was time to come back? Um, It wasn't like this overwhelming desire to like, oh man, I got to get back into ministry. There was that feeling, like I wanted to come back and do church and serve God. And I definitely was there, but that wasn't it. It wasn't this like overwhelming drive. Um, I missed you guys, and, but, but it wasn't that. It wasn't like, oh, I really want to see everybody, and I really want to just like be with everyone. The reason I knew it was time to come back was because my mom called me, and she said, are you still not going to church? <laughs> and I was like, Mom, we just had a baby. She's like, yeah, but you're still not going to church? So I was like, all right, this time is over. I got to get back to church. And so I know my mom's watching. Mom, I'm here. I'm speaking. You did the Lord's work when you made that phone call. Um, But yeah, I've been so thankful to the church for offering that to me. That was amazing. Uh, Super big thankful shout out to Pastor Jonathan who kind of ran the show while I was gone. Let's give it up for Pastor Jonathan. Thank you for, uh, for all you did. And, and you know, I wasn't worried at, all, all, worried at all because we have amazing leaders. And I knew just like it was going to be fantastic regardless of what, you know, what, whether I was here or not. Um, but as I was mentioning, like during paternity leave, you know, like taking care of this newborn baby and stuff like that. Um, it, it led me and gave me a lot of opportunities to think. And, you know, sometimes that's like rare when you get time to think. And, you know, there are times late at night. Or I'm holding the baby and, and trying to put her to bed. And just like I start wondering about stuff. And some of those thoughts were really, really great. Some of those thoughts were ideas about church. I thought about you guys. I was wondering how you're doing. I was praying for you guys. Um, and so those were great. I have some, some new ideas for church. I'm excited to like hit the ground running as far as ministry goes. Um, and then I had these other thoughts, other questions that were not so positive. Um, and, and a lot more uncomfortable. And actually, so that's 
from those questions is where this message and next week's message comes from. And so today, we're starting a mini-series, mini-series at this church, and it's called Keep the Change. And don't worry, it's not about money, okay? It's not about money. Uh, it's about something completely different. And we're going to be talking about it this week. It's a question that came to my mind that made me feel very uncomfortable. And then I felt like God was saying, you need to make your church uncomfortable by asking them this question too. And I kind of wrestled with God, and I was like, really? Like, I kind of went back and forth multiple times with this, this topic. But in the end, I felt like this is what God wanted, for some reason, wants you to hear. And it's not very happy, and it may make you uncomfortable, but I want to speak the truth to you guys. And I hope that you guys trust me. And for those of you guys who are watching online, you probably don't even know me, but hopefully you can give me a shot and trust me. Because I want the best for you in the same way that God wants the best for you, and I want more for you in your life and in your walk with Jesus. So... Um, that's where this series, is come from, this series comes from. Today, we're going to be talking about the issue, right? The problem, the issue, the thing that is uncomfortable to think about. And then next week, we're going to talk about kind of the solution. So I really want to encourage you guys to join us next week, either in person or online, at home, wherever you are. I really want to encourage you guys because if you just listen to today, it just might be really depressing. But next week is we're going to deal with how to actually resolve the issue, fix the problem, how we can change things so things are actually different, all right? So I want you guys to join us, but you know what? Life happens. So if you can't join us, uh, we live in a world where you can uh, receive our content through YouTube, through our podcast. So I just want to invite you guys to go to our, uh, to listen to our podcast where all of our messages are there uh, for you to listen to and also our YouTube channel. Everything is there for you to consume later if you can't make it next week. All right, let's pray and let's get into this very uncomfortable question that God has put on our hearts. Father in heaven, thank you so much, God, that I'm here and I can spend this time with my church family, near and far, close and extended. Um, and I pray, God, that your spirit move. And move past me, move through me, get past the, the space here, into the pews, into the aisles, through the screens, into the homes, into the hearts of so many people who are joining us and watching today. Father, you, this is your message, God. I totally, totally believe that. And so, Father, may you be completely highlighted, and may you be central, Father. Thank you. Let me pray. Amen. So I'm going to get right to the question. I'm going to get right to the uncomfortable question that, uh, that's been on my heart. And the question is this. Have you changed? Have you changed? And the question is directed to church people who have been going to church for years and years. And this is my question. Have you changed? See, it's uncomfortable, huh? <laughs> it's like a, this, is not a, this is not a very comfortable topic. Uh, but let me qualify that a little bit more. Um, again, this is to church people. This is not to like if you're new in the faith. This is like you've been going to church for 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in your life. Have you changed because you've been going to church? Like, you've been in it for so long. Have you actually changed? Uh, but let me get more specific and make it even more difficult to answer this question. Not just have you changed, but have you become more like Jesus over the last 20 years, 40 years of your church attendance and church engagement? Have you become more like Jesus? Like, think about you 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Are you more like Jesus now than you were then? Or are you struggling with the same stuff that you were struggling with so many years ago? 
And I know that this is like hard to answer. And I know that maybe you may feel uncomfortable in this moment, but I, I would argue and I would think that many people would have the very, a very similar answer. And the answer being, I haven't really changed. Like I've been going to church my entire life, but I'm kind of the same person. And have you ever asked a really, really difficult question? This is a really uncomfortable question. If you stopped going to church or if you weren't a Christian, would your life be different? That is a hard question to ask ourselves. Have we changed? And I ask this not as a, in, a way to, in a way to judge you or condemn you in any way because I'm, I'm with you. Like, like this, this is where it came from. This is the question that God put on my heart. Have I changed? And you would think that a pastor who grew up in the church, has been in ministry for 16 years now, 16 years, would have a whole huge list of like, yeah, Jesus changed me. I'm different this way. This is the way I'm more like Jesus. This is the way I'm more patient. I'm more kind. But unfortunately, I don't have that list for you. And so I'm right there with you. I think about my life, and I wonder, how come I'm not more like Jesus now than I was 10 years ago. And it, in, in some ways, I'm less like Jesus than 10 years ago. And, and how come I've been going to church my entire life and, and this is it? You know, this is the question that God has, has put on my heart and put on my mind. What's going on? Now, if you're at a place where you're like, you know what, God has changed my life completely, and I'm with him, and he's changed my character, like, that is fantastic, and I know that happens, and that's awesome, and, and honestly, if you're there, I want you to talk to me, and, and I want you to share maybe next week about what God has done in your life. And actually, a couple weeks ago, we had a testimony videos of a couple of our own church members and my brother who talked about how God has been changing your life. So that's, that's awesome. So it happens. But for the vast majority of people, I think sometimes it's really hard to say, yes, I'm becoming more like Jesus because of my Christian experience. And maybe your experience is that in some ways, maybe you had a moment or a couple moments like in the past where like it was real and you did change. But for a long time, you've kind of stagnated and you've kind of been in the same place like you've been. And it's not bad. It's like fine. It's just not progressing. If you're in that place, that's, this is who I'm speaking to in this series. If you're a new Christian and you just started believing, um, this kind of is not for you, honestly. And, and we'll have other messages for you. But this is for, like, the veterans in the room. Like, you know. You know haystacks. You know what I mean? Like, you know veggie burritos. You know, like, the stuff that we do. You know all of that. You know all those things. And, like, what's hard is that if you look in the Bible, right, if you look in the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament, it's clear that, number one, God is a God who does not change, right, that God doesn't change, but it's clear that God changes things. He does that through the entire Bible. God changes things. When, when he shows up, things change, right? Like, the very first pages of the Bible, what do we see? We see that the world was formless and void, and he shows up, and he terraforms that mass and he turns that formless void of darkness into mountains and rivers and forests and trees and flowers and waterfalls. He changes things. I mean, he takes Abraham, this random dude in the desert, and he gives him an epic destiny that will change the world forever. 
Or I think about Gideon, who is this guy who is this wimpy, complaining little dude. God turns him into a mighty warrior. You think about, think about Nineveh, an entire city is changed because of what God does. Right? Like you see change all throughout the Bible when God enters into the scene. And then you go to the New Testament, and you see the disciples, they don't really change much during the gospel books, but when you look at Acts, they're like completely different people. They're on fire, doing crazy things, turning the world upside down. And you think about Zacchaeus, who, who, who gave up all his money, gave away all his wealth because of Jesus. And you think about Paul, whose life was completely turned around because of what Jesus did. Like, God does not change, absolutely, but if you look at the Bible, man, it's so clear. God changes things. So if that's true, what's going on with me? What's going on with you? If God changes things and he's this powerful being, how come I'm the same? How come I'm struggling with the same stuff? How come I have the same temptations? I have the same weird value system. I have the same broken relationships. How come I still push people away even though I know I shouldn't? How come I know all these things but I'm like the same and I have the same problems? How come I'm not moving forward? Even you know, Paul even writes in, into the Corinthians, he says to them, He's talking about the evildoers, the wicked, and stuff like that. And then this is what he says to them in 6.11. He says, and that is what some of you were. You were these wicked people, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. You are different. And then he says things like in 5.17, you are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Things change when God shows up. And so that led me to my second uncomfortable question, which actually I think is the more, com- more important question. Not just that, ha- have I changed, but the question of, why haven't we changed? Why are we the same? Why do we have this truth? We're like, believing what we believe, shouldn't that actually change our lives? I mean, think about what we, what we believe, right? We think about God and The gospel and mercy and forgiveness and and serving others. We learned that simplicity is like the secret to fulfillment. That giving to others is better to give than to receive. Like we know these things. We know that that, that when Jesus talks about how first shall be last and last shall be first. Like yeah, that's true. We experience it in our lives. Like you've experienced moments where you gave and it felt really good. And you felt, felt the joy of giving and serving other people. You, you've, if, if you've ever been on a mission trip, you've seen and experienced people with so much less stuff, but with so much more joy. You've seen that. You've seen it with your eyes and you felt it with your heart. We know these things, but why do I still want those shoes, you know? Like, why do I still want that watch? Why do I still want that car? Why do I still want that and want that and want that? Why am I constantly just shopping online when I know That what I've learned is true. That happiness and fulfillment does not come from amassing stuff. And Jesus is the one who taught us that. But why am I still the same? This is the question that I want you to ask yourselves. Especially if you've been going to church for a really, 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 really long time. Why? And thankfully, Jesus actually expected this. 
Because as we look at stories of people changing throughout the Bible, for every person that was changed, there was like a bunch of people who were not changed at all, who came face to face with Jesus, and they left with nothing to show for it. And he talks about this, and he talks about why people can come to him and be around him and be in church and be religious and be completely unchanged and not transformed. And this is really, really important what we're going to talk about today. Because what we're, going to talk in, what we're going to talk about today, this teaching we're going to address today, could be, if we understand it correctly, could prevent you from making the worst decision of your life. And when I say the worst decision of your life, I mean the decision to walk away from your faith. Because that could happen to any of us, guys. No matter how long you've been in church, it's a, it could be a catastrophe, it could be something, it could be a disappointment in a leader. We all are at risk, and we have to think about it. So we have to strengthen our faith daily, monthly, yearly. So if we understand this teaching that Jesus has, I think it can protect us and help us from making the worst decision of our lives. So the, the, the teaching is actually very, very popular, very famous. You probably heard it before. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 8. I'm going to read a couple verses from verses 5 to 8. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And he was scattering the seeds. Some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell in good soil. It came up and yielded the crop a hundred times more than was sown. So this, uh, this teaching of Jesus is a parable. If you guys aren't familiar with parables, it's like a story or an illustration to help people understand some really important truth. And so he gives this parable about this farmer, and he's trying to plant seed, and there's three different kinds of soil. And when you look at this story or this parable, there's three key elements. Right? There's three key elements that if these three things are in the right place, in good condition, growth will come. And that's what you see in the very last one. Right, with the, all three conditions were met, so growth just happens. That's what happens. Change happened. And so these three elements are seed, soil, and penetration. Right? The seed entering into the soil. Okay? So in, in this parable, these are the three things you have to have in, in order for growth to happen. The seed have, has to be good. Right? It can't be like all withered and dried and gross and dead. Um, it has to fall into soil that is good. That can, that, can, that can, I don't even know what soil does to seeds. It gives its food and nutrients or whatever, right? Like healthy soil. And then the seed has to penetrate into the soil. And if one of these things doesn't happen, there is no growth, there is no transformation, there is no change. It remains a seed, little piece of thing on the ground. That's all it is. And so if you look at the, the teaching, in the first one, the, the sower throws the seed and there is no what? What's the problem in the first seed? Whether birds come and eat it, there's no penetration. The seeds don't get into the soil at all, so they're at risk, and the birds come and eat it up. That's the problem, no penetration. What about in the second soil where he throws it and they fall into like rocky, hard place? What's the problem there? It's a trick question. It's both penetration and soil, okay? They're, the soil is too hard and rocky, and it does penetrate, but it doesn't penetrate enough. It barely gets in. It's just right on the surface. And so when the hot sun goes on it, it dies and withers because there was bad soil and there was very little, very little penetration, very surface penetration. And then finally, in the third bad soil situation, 
There is penetration. But the problem is that the soil is full of weeds and thorns and things that will choke it all out. So these are the three things you need. And the last one, it's a good seed with good soil, with deep penetration, boom, growth, crops 100 times more than was sown. So Jesus is teaching us actually how transformation and change happens in our lives. But more importantly, he actually identifies these key elements so that we don't get confused. And so we have to ask the question, what's the problem in our lives? Is it the seed? Is it the soil? Or is it the lack of penetration? Has the seed not really entered into the soil? Now, first thing you have to understand that as we observe this parable is that the seed... According to Jesus, he says in verse 11, the seed is the word of God. So the seed is not the problem, right? The seed is not the problem. Can we all say it's not the seed? It's not the seed. It is not the seed. The the, the seed that the sower sowed, it was the same seed in all four soils. It's not the seed. Can we say that again? It's not the seed. It's not the seed. It is not the word of God that is the problem. It is not the truth of God that is the problem. It is not the word of God that is the reason why you aren't changing. It is not the nature of the word of God. The word of God is not the problem. The truth of God, the teachings, is not the problem. The problem is not that the word of God is not true. The problem is not that the word of God is is irrelevant or old-fashioned or just not good and and doesn't fit in modern society because we're so smart. That's not the problem. The problem is not that the word of God doesn't make sense or, or, or contradict science. That's not the problem. The problem is not the word of God. The, the word of God is powerful. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating into this dividing even the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the hearts, the attitudes of the heart, right? Like the Word of God changes things, changes lives. It's not the Word. It's not the seed. And this is so, so important for us to remember. The Word of God is not the problem. But when people walk away from the church, it's because they think that the word of God is the problem. I'm not changing, therefore it must not be true. It makes no difference in my life, therefore it must be irrelevant. So I will walk away from the faith I grew up in. The word of God is not the problem. The word of God is how God speaks to us, it's how he teaches us, it's how he challenges us, it's how he rebukes and corrects us, it's how he reaches out to us, it's how he fights for your life and for your soul because we have to understand that the word of God is not just the Bible. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 1.20, he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What this means is that the created world is the word of God speaking to you, helping you to know him. This is all God's effort to reach for you and reach for your life and save you. It's not the seed. 
It's not the seed. The problem is not the word of God. So if the problem is not the word of God, the problem is either the soil or the lack of the soil entering in, of seed entering into the soil. So we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. But I want to modernize this because I feel like not a lot of people can really jive and relate to this parable, except for maybe Cheryl, the gardener, and maybe my mom who gardens. And whoever who gardens here, you can relate to that. Where a lot of people are like, I don't know anything about seeds. I don't know anything about soil. I don't know anything about sowing seeds. So let me uh, modernize it in a way that can make sense for a lot of people, okay? So we, before we had seed, soil, and penetration, these were the three key elements for change, transformation, and growth. I want you to think about something that we can probably pretty much all relate to. You guys all have your phones. Yeah? Everyone has a phone here. You guys all, can you guys all relate to the feeling when you look at your phone? Oh, like my phone is right now. And you look at the battery and all you see is this tiny, tiny little red line. Like it's like a, less than a centimeter thick. You guys remember that feeling when your phone is about to die? It's like the worst thing ever, right? It's like the worst thing that can happen. You're like, oh my gosh, I need to find a charger right now. And some of you even carry your chargers around with you because you guys are addicted to your phones, right? But you know that feeling, that insecure feeling, right? And so what you do is you, you find a charger, you pull out your charger, your battery pack, whatever, and you plug it in. So what happens if you take your phone and you plug it into the charger, into the wall, and nothing happens? You got to troubleshoot that, right? Because if not, you're in trouble. So in that situation, there's three key elements to making, bringing your phone from death to life, okay? It's three key elements from transforming, from transforming your phone into almost dead to that beautiful green bar of hope and life. It's the outlet, the phone, and the charger, okay? It's either a problem of one of these three things. It's either an outlet problem, and there's no electricity going through that outlet, or the phone is bad and it can't take a charge and something's wrong with it. Or it's the charger that's the problem. So in this teaching that Jesus is talking about, it's not the outlet. Can we all say it's not the outlet? It's not the outlet. There is power in the outlet. So it's either your phone is messed up or your charger is messed up. All right, so this is kind of a modern version of, of this parable. But let me, let me explain what I mean by this. We'll get past the metaphors and what this really looks like. So if it's not the word of God that's the problem, if it's not the seed, if it's not the outlet, if it's the phone or the charger, the soil or the penetration, this is what it really comes down to. An unchanged life. A life that you've been attending church your entire life, like you know the songs, you've been in VBS, you went on the mission trips, you were in youth group and all that stuff, and you look back and you're like, I'm not that much different. Jesus, God, the Bible has not really done much in my life. It has not made much of a difference for me. That life. The unchanged life is a result of either a heart resistant to change, that's soil or phone, or confusion about how spiritual change happens. That's penetration or the charger. Let me read that one more time. The unchanged life is a result of either a heart resistant to change or confusion about how spiritual change happens. And I know this is like, what are you even talking about? This is really, really important. Because we have to understand, number one, that it's not the seed. It's not the outlet. There is power there. The issue is in the heart, is in our hearts, or how we understand spiritual growth and spiritual change. 
So the reason why this is really important, especially for those of us who are millennials or those of you who are in Gen Z and younger. So if you are like in high school, if you're in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, I really, really want you to listen very, very closely to this next thing that I'm going to say. Because this is what happens, right? For those of us who are millennial Gen Zs, the difference it makes in my life is very important. Right? Some, whatever I do, whatever I participate in, whatever I give my money to, it's got to make a difference in my life. It's got to actually yield something. Like I'm not about, you know, you know empty, you know, uh, going through the motions and stuff. Like we don't, we don't like that. And so we wanted to make a difference. So this is how it goes. You grow up in the church. And you go to youth group. You go to vacation Bible school. You go on mission trips, praise nights. You know, for us in the Korean community, you go to Kayam and camp meetings. And, and you do all that stuff. You do all the churchy things. You do all the Bible studies. You get baptized. All that stuff. And everything's great, and your family's great, and you love going to church, and you love your pastor, and, and he's so funny, and he's so good-looking. It's just like, oh, it's just perfect, right? You love it. And then you graduate high school. I was talking about Pastor Jonathan, by the way, not myself, just in case. Uh, we've already established that Pastor Jonathan is, like, top three best-looking Korean pastors in this country. So um, pretty much number one, but, you know, we got to give it. We gotta, can't be too arrogant here. Anyway, so what happens is you graduate high school and you go to college and like things change and you're like oh I don't really have to go to church today my parents aren't making me go to church but I kind of want to go to church so you go to church and you attend and stuff like that and you meet new people with new ideas who don't didn't really have the same upbringing who don't go to church and they like to do other stuff and, uh, and they have questions about the bible and they have issues and they challenge you and you have teachers who challenge you and like those are important things and what happens is inevitably you ask the question, and this is not a bad question. This is a good question. This is an important question. The question is, does Jesus, God, the Bible, church, does it make a difference in my life? You will ask that question. I don't care who you are. If you grew up in the church, at some point, you're going to ask that question. And you're going to wonder about how it's made a difference in your life and a difference in other people's lives. And you're going to look to your family and your parents. You're going to look to other people. And then you're going to think about your own experience. And you're going to wonder, am I the same? Is it actually doing anything for me? Like, I still have the same stress. I'm, like, stressed out beyond belief. I still have anxiety. I still have anger. I still have unforgiveness. I still am really impatient with people. I still am, am kind, of, kind, of, kind of mean. I, I still have these same issues. I still struggle with the same stuff. I still worry about what people think about me. I still worry about my reputation. I, I, I still like care so much about the world. Like I love all these worldly things. Like, and I've been going to church, so like, what's the point? And that's the conclusion that a lot of people come to. It's not really making a difference in my life. So either it's not true, all that stuff that I've learned growing up, either it's not true or it's true, but it doesn't really matter. And what happens is people either can, can walk away from faith. And, and what I've seen people do, and, and maybe you've done this or maybe you're trying this. Some people do this thing that, like the atheist project, like I'm going to live one year as an atheist. Let's see what happens. And by the way, I think that's actually a horrible idea. It's a horrible idea. And if you want to talk about why I think that's a horrible idea, you can talk to me after. But you go through this kind of like journey and you struggle and you don't see the change in your life and you conclude it must be the seed. Because I'm not the problem. The soil is not the problem. 
I'm fine. Like, I want to change, but nothing's happening. It must be the seed. So let me throw out the seed. And let me just go on my way. And what happens is you throw away the seed, the word of God, the truth of God, unnecessarily because it was not the problem. The problem wasn't the seed. The problem wasn't the outlet. It was a problem of the soil, the heart, or a problem of penetration. It's a problem of the phone or a problem of the charger, which, as I'm explaining here, is a heart resistant to change or confusion about how spiritual change actually happens in people's lives. And so this is why I say that if you understand Jesus' teaching here, you can, it can help you avoid the worst mistake of your life, leaving your faith. Because we can understand that it's not the seed. It's not the truth. It's not the Bible. It's not the things that I learned in church. It's not that. It's not the kingdom of God. It's me. And it's how I understand it. See, if you grow up in the church and you begin to question your faith and you keep this in mind and pursue your faith differently, you have a way better chance of developing a robust, deep, and meaningful spiritual experience moving forward. But if you don't know what Jesus is talking about here, you'll throw away the seed and all you're going to be left with is hard, rocky soil. If you throw away the outlet, all you're going to be left with is a dead phone. doesn't work. A heart resistant to change or confusion about how spiritual change happens. So I want to close by talking about that first part, talking about resistance to change. And I'm going to get real uncomfortable. And I'm going to call out some real stuff. And then next week, we're going to talk about how do we understand spiritual change in a way so that we will actually be transformed and changed in our lives. So that's why next week is really the solution. Now, talking about this part, resistance to change, I want you to think about your heart. Are you resisting the change that God wants to make in your life? Or think about it. Are you open to it? Are you surrendered to it? When, when God says, I want to change your life, do you open your arms wide and say, come on in, Jesus? Or you're, or you're like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What exactly are you going to do, Jesus? What exactly are you going to change? See, there are a lot of us who are resistant to the change that God wants to make in our life. No matter who you are, because change is uncomfortable. We don't really like change, especially when it affects us in uncomfortable ways. But I think we got to diagnose it before we can even do anything about it. So uh, this may not be everybody. Like You may not be resistant to God's change. But if you are, you probably fall in one of these categories, okay? The reason why you are resistant to change is, number one, you are afraid. You are scared of what God is going to do in your life. Okay, let's be real. If you are resistant to change, think about it. Am I really just afraid? And I know why you're afraid. I know why you're afraid. You're afraid is because of what you've read in the Bible. Because you read this verse in Mark chapter 20. Jesus looked at the young, rich young ruler and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. That's why you're scared. That's why you're like, I don't know if I could really follow you, Jesus, because of that verse. And you're like, man, Jesus, why would you have to put that in the Bible? Like, I'd be all in, but you got to throw that in there. And then you read the story of Zacchaeus who, like, commits to Jesus, and then what does he do? He sells all his stuff. And that's why you're scared. You're like, I want to change, but 
I don't want to change like that. I'm afraid of what God is going to do to me if I actually give him control. I'm afraid he's going to ask me to sell all my stuff. I'm afraid he's going to ask me to move to the jungles of the Amazon. I'm afraid he's going to ask me to, to do all these crazy things. that I don't, I'm afraid he's going to make me into this like weirdo Jesus freak person. You're scared. Let's be honest. We're afraid of what he's going to take away. We're afraid of how he's going to make us uncomfortable. That's why we are resistant to his change. But I want you to look at this verse in Revelation. Where Jesus portrays what he's going to do to you if you let him in. It's a pretty famous verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Look. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and ruin your life. And may you get rid of everything you love. You will live on the streets and you will have no food. That's not what it says. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together. As what? Friends. This is what Jesus wants to do in your life. What are you afraid of? Stuff? Come on. What are you afraid of? What is keeping you from allowing Jesus to come in and change things? You just got to trust him. You got to trust that when he comes in and when you surrender, he's going to do good stuff in you. Maybe uncomfortable, but it's good because he's God. So that's usually one reason why people are really resistant to change. You're afraid. The second reason, and this is a lot of people, is just that you are too busy. You are too busy to change. And, and, and you want it. And you, you long for it. And, and you even pray for it. But you're just too, too busy. Because change and transformation, guess what it takes? Time. Quiet. It takes moments to stop and actually think. It takes time to look inside and wonder and question and investigate and dig. But you are just too busy. Some of you, you do not, and this is the perfect word, you do not have the bandwidth, the mental capacity to even stop and think about what you do, let alone why you do it. Like we're just running around to so many different places. We're so busy with activities and kids and schools and work and church. You're just so busy. You're so jam-packed to the fullest that you can't even take time to think and pray about what God wants to do in your life. And I'm with you. And that's why it took paternity leave for me to start thinking about this. Because I stepped away from the work I was doing, focused just on my family, And God began to question and probe and ask me and dig. But, like, let's be honest, guys. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay? Like, this is the dumbest thing. This is the silliest thing ever. Okay? We're like, there's parts of my life that I want to change, right? You have character issues. You have relationship problems. You're always like, I've been struggling with this for 10 years. You're tempted in all these different ways for like 20 years. And then God's like, I want to change it. 
I want to change it. I want to take it away from you. I want you to have awesome relationships, that relationship you want with your kids and your wife. I want to give that to you. But, you know, you have these, all these problems, but I'm going to change it, and I'm going to give it to you. And I want to give you the joy. I don't want to give you all that stuff. I want to give you the freedom. And you're like, oh, but I got to go pick up the dry cleaning. And I got to go to Target and get laundry detergent. And I got to take the kids to school. I, I'm sorry, I just don't have the time for perfect, wonderful relationships and joy and peace and patience and all the good things. I, I'm just, I got to run errands, man. I got to pick up dinner. Like, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard, don't you think? If you were talking to someone else other than yourself and they said, I know what God wants to do to me, but I just got to run errands. You'd be like, what are you talking about? You're just too busy. I get it, and I get it. This is a busy, busy life, a busy, busy world. But is it worth it? Is it worth what God wants to do in your life and in your family and in your heart and in your mind and all that stuff? Is it worth it? There's actually a third reason that I didn't really put up because it's very connected to the second one. It's kind of like you're too busy, but actually you're just too lazy. That's like, let's be real. That's the third reason why you are resistant to change is you're just too lazy. You don't want to do the things. And I get it because it's always easy to do nothing than do something, right? Am I right? It's always easier to do nothing than to do something. And let's be honest, some of us are resisting change because we just don't want to do it. We just don't want to read the Bible. We just don't want to pray. We want to, like, keep it super easy. And to be honest, like, I was thinking about that today and, and yesterday as I was preparing. I was like, should I talk about that? And God was like, yeah, you got to talk about that. Here's the thing. I don't know what to tell you if that's you. If you're just too lazy, <laughs> if you're just too lazy to change because God is changing you, if you're too lazy to accept what he wants to do in your life, I got nothing for you. I got nothing. I have no teaching. I have no insight. I have no special pithy saying for you. I don't know, man. You figure it out then. Because I got nothing. If you're just too lazy to experience all this wonderful stuff that God wants to do in your life, and you've just been lazy for 20 years and 30 years in church doing the bare minimum, I don't know what to tell you. You need to go to God and you got to talk to him. Maybe he's just got to change your heart. I don't know. But I get it. It's costly. Following Jesus is costly. Change is costly. It's hard and it's not easy and it's uncomfortable. I understand. Right? Jesus even says that. He, he make, wants us to understand that. He says in Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That's hard. Give up your own way, your own way of doing things, your own way of living this life, your own way of, of running your family and your business, your own way of, of going to school and going to church, your own way of having friends. Like God wants you to say, give up your way. That's hard. That's costly. But I would argue that it's more costly, it's more costly to not follow Jesus. Because look at what he says right afterwards. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you demand on your way, you, at the end of the day, will lose your life. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So yeah, it's hard to give up our way, 
But it's much harder to give up our lives. So that's why he says, I stand at the door and knock. The Apostle Paul talks about the life of following Jesus. And I think like when I look at it in these terms, it's like, I don't want to miss it. Like, I know I'm busy, but I don't want to miss it. I know I'm lazy, but I don't want to miss it. I know I'm scared, but I don't want to miss it. He says in Galatians 5, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Follow Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And the result of that is what we call the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the results of following Jesus. So, if you choose not to, this is what you are missing. You are going to miss out on love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's costly to follow Jesus, but I would argue it costs more to not. So if you're at a place where you're like, you know what, Chris, I'm kind of offended because of what you said to me today. I feel kind of uncomfortable. I don't know if I really like you. Maybe I won't give tithe or offerings today. But you know what? I am afraid. I am, a, I am resistant to change. I don't really want him to do the stuff he wants to do because I don't trust him because I think he's going to take away all, my, all the things that I like. If you are afraid, so I'm going to give you just one piece of teaching, one piece of advice for you. I don't know, whatever you call it. If you are afraid, here's what I want you to do. Surrender one part of your life to Jesus. All right? And I know that's not, that kind of goes against the Bible because Jesus says, give me your whole life, but like, let's, Let's take it by step by step, right? If you're afraid, surrender one part of your life to Jesus. And you pick it. You pick it. Whatever it is. Like, and you don't have to pick a big thing. You don't have to pick like family. You don't have to pick like work. You don't have to pick like money. Right? But pick one part of your life where you say, I'm going to do this thing the way you've asked me to and with the heart you've asked me to. Just one thing. Maybe it's like, maybe it's not even a part of your life. Maybe it's a time period of your life, right? Like say from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., I'm going to live my life for the way exact, exactly the way, all in completely the way you want me to live. Just see what happens. Or, or maybe it is like with one of my kids. Like the other ones, uh, not so much. But this one kid, I'm going to really surrender that kid to you. Just for like, you know, a couple months or a year. I don't know. Like pick one part of your life. Maybe it is your business. Maybe it's like, all right, for, for this year, I'm going to run my business according to your principles. I'm going to run my business like Jesus was running this business. All right. See what happens. I don't know. You pick. If you're afraid, surrender one part of your life to Jesus and then just see what happens. I believe and I know that what's going to happen at the end of it, you're going to say, is, I should have done this sooner. So if you're afraid, surrender one part of your life to Jesus. If you are too busy, if you are too busy, exchange one part of your life. Exchange one part of your life. What I mean by that is take something that you do and replace it with something else that you know God wants you to do. All right, so you do lots of stuff. And again, you pick it. What can you give up? Maybe it's like your Netflix time at night. You give that up and you give that time to Jesus. And some of you are like, no, no, don't take that away from me. I get it. I'm a parent. The kids go to sleep, man. I get it. Pick one part of your life and swap it out for something that God wants you to do. You know what a perfect time for that is? That's what Sabbath is about. You give one day to him. Just take something in your life, whatever it is, but you need to learn to trim the fat of your life. Take it away and put something godly in instead. Just see what happens. And again, if you're too lazy, 
I don't know what to do. I don't have a teaching for you. You just go pray today a lot because that's what you got to do. All right, so, so this is like, this is the first step to understanding why we're not changing and how to begin changing. It's not the seed. It's not the outlet. It's either the soil or the lack of penetration. And next week, next week we're going to talk about how do we understand spiritual change so that we actually will change in our lives. How can we approach it differently? Because the way we've been doing it, guys, is wrong. The way we've been approaching church and spiritual growth, the way I've been doing it for many years, is wrong. And we're going to figure out what is the way that God and Jesus has set forth. That's next week. So we hope that you will join us next week for part two of this mini-series, Keep the Change. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much, God, for what you're doing in this place, doing in this space right now. God, I really hope that people are challenged. You know, this was, this was a tough topic, Lord. First weekend back, you know, really challenging people. But, um, Lord, I just pray for people that they would be open to you, God, that, that, that at least in one area, one step has been made, Father, for surrender. Lord, I know that you have so many good things planned for us, and you want the best for us. I pray, God, that we may take this moment to just surrender to you. And let us see you do what you do. Let us see you change things, Father, in the ways that you've changed from throughout all of history. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for each person listening. Lord, and be with us. Help us to move forward in our faith. And let us experience some transformation in our lives. In your name we pray.